Welcome, welcome to the show. It is me. It is me, your girl, Labora Lee, a.k.a. Cat Lee. And you have now tuned in to Ambitiously, the podcast. <coughs> now you have turned tuned in to Ambitiously, the podcast. But today's show is an extension of Ambitiously, the podcast. This joint is called... Hold on, let me get right, y'all. I ain't even ready. This joint right here is called hood history to today we generally discuss things that happened in history but in my own little way and since i am a girl from the hood i'm gonna bring it to you the best way that i can today i'm very excited about this particular show because today's show hold on let me make sure we good today's show is basically based upon hold on the history of jazz um as a young girl growing up, my pops has an extensive record collection. And there are an array of things within that record collection from um, R&B, a little rock, um, and then blues, rhythm and blues, blues in itself, and some more things. So I grew up basically um, having a a huge love for jazz music, all types of music, all genres and things of that nature. Same thing with my mom's. She has always made sure that music was a part of my life. So today I, I was sitting here and I was, um, well, not today, but actually the other day I was sitting here and um, I was working on some things and I had played a little Miles Davis and I was like, you know what? I should do an episode of Hood History based upon the history of jazz music. And so we're going to go along on this journey of jazz music and talk about it. And um, I feel that it's very important. Um, a lot of people don't understand when they listen to today's music that a lot of the influence comes from jazz music. Um, jazz music, rock and roll, so on, so on. But today we're going to talk about jazz. We're also going to get into the history of rock and roll, but I'm saving that for another day because I think that we should slowly progress into that genre of music because we got to talk about jazz first. Jazz is very important to transition in, into rock and roll in itself. So we're going to get into it today. So what they'll have you believe is that um, jazz music, I'm sorry, I love you guys, but for um, a while, for a second, they had this thing where they tried to make it seem like jazz music came from um, our Caucasian friends. And that's not where it started. And I'm going to give you the beginning. So let's get into the beginning. In the early 1900s, um, music historians trace jazz music to an earlier 20th century New Orleans, um, well, to 20th century New Orleans, where musicians like Jelly Roll Morton, King Oliver, and Louis Armstrong borrowed heavily from ragtime, blues, and second-line horn sections from parades. Even the the New Orleans um, funeral music inspired early jazz musicians. Then Southern jazz became 
um, Southern jazz from New Orleans eventually became Dixieland jazz. I hate that. I hate that 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 they that's where they took it, but that's where they took it. Um, so we're gonna move to the because once we get to the 1940s, baby, when we get to the 1940s, it's a lot to say about the 1940s. But in order to get to the 1940s, we gotta go through the 1920s and the 1930s. So. Other early jazz cap, um, capitals include Chicago, Kansas City, um, where Count Basie based his orchestra for a long, long period of time. Um, but it was New York City that established jazz as a touchstone of American culture. Big bands, um, bands led by band leaders like Duke Ellington and Fletcher um, Henderson performed in nightclub um, to, for nightclub audiences. Ellington, in particular, was famous for his original composition, which drew from classical um, music and highlighted soloists like um, the Ellington, Ellington. I can't even get that out. I don't know what's going on. Ellington Big Band. Now, we're gonna pause it right here because you know it was all the all the rage. All everybody was into it. Everybody was like, yes, give it to me. And they was swinging and they was dancing and they was getting their little groove on and all of that good stuff. And then stuff happened, like the world war world war one um and world war two. Th these things happen and they're very pivotal to the transition of jazz music. Um, so it got popular and it didn't just get popular here in the United States. It became popular around the freaking world, even in Germany. And it was big stuff going on in Germany. We're going to talk about that one day too. Um, you know, with the, the Hitlers and all of that good stuff. But of course, because our skin tone was not love that much. They turned it into their own little thing and, you know, things happen. So let's get to the 1940s. It's a lot to speak on. I'm going to let this play now because this is very important. So you're going to see things in this. Let me see. I'm going to take me down a little bit. So as you can see, we have a timeline here going on, but it, let me get to the 1940s. Um, you see in um, you had Benny Goodman. So let's let's get to this. Hold on. Let's let's get to this. Cause I wanted to talk about this. Hold on. Let's get to this real quick. I'ma stop it. Let me see. Right about um hold on. You're gonna stop it right. Oh no, it's okay. You're gonna stop it right about here. All right. So there's a lot of things that's going on. Um I wish I could bring that up, but I know what I'm gonna do. I know exactly what I'm going to do so that I don't have to really worry about stopping it for real. Um, so as you can see, there were a lot of things going on at that time. Um, jazz was swinging. It was swinging, baby. It was swinging. Let me get to where I need to be, though. It was swinging. Ah, Y'all lucky I ain't come with my jazz hands, but whatever. So in the town in 1921, in the town of Illinois, I'm going to just let this keep playing. In the town of Illinois, um, the town of Illinois banned jazz music from the basis that it was sinful. 
a lot like um, when it comes down to uh, R&B in its early state of being. And, you know, you had the church people and they was like, it's secular music. So you can't listen to that and all that good stuff. So in 1921, the town of Illinois banned jazz music, um, stating that it was sinful. Um, in 1922, Mammy Smith, a blues singer, recorded 20 songs. Now, y'all got to remember, this is the early, 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 early beginning of jazz. Everybody is like, you know, this is the new wave. We we on it, right? So in 1923, King Oliver's band included, um, including Louis Armstrong, recorded its first song. Um Bessie Smith sold one million copies of her first recorded, um, her first record within six months. A million copies back then, that's a lot. That's crazy and that's a lot, but it happened. In 1924, um, George um, Gershwin debuted Rhapsody of Blue. Duke Ellington recorded his first piece with his band, The Washingtonians. Um, 25, James P. Johnson recorded Charleston, which led to the um, popularization of the dance craze, the Charleston. Ah, man, I still, I like the Charleston. I always thought that was a great dance. I don't, I just did. I always did. Um, so then in 1926, Louis Armstrong pioneered scat singing. Duke, um, 1927, Duke Ellington began his resi- his residency at the Cotton Club. Now, all of this is leading up to what I'm getting into into the 1940s and the 1950s because I have a lot to say. I mean, I have some things to read, but I have a lot to say because of my research. Um, so, in 1928, Benny Goodman recorded his first pieces. And in 1929, Fats um, Whaler, a pianist, was forced to play behind the screen during a mixed race recording session. So that already lets y'all know um, how crazy it was in those times, just being a musician, specifically a jazz musician. You had people running around saying that it was sinful. So they they were banning it in towns across the nation. Um, things were getting crazy. People were upset. No, don't play that music. But meanwhile, these artists were still making it happen. They were still recording their um, compositions. They were still doing what they do. And nobody could stop them, obviously, because jazz music still exists today. So um, I already told you what was going on in, in um, the 20s. What that, I just wanted to fill that in, that section in really quickly and um, give you some timelines about what was going on during those times is very important, very vital. So let's get to the 1940s and 50s. In the 1940s, New York musician musicians like Charlie Parker, um, um, Dizzy Gillespie, Bud Powell, and Art Blakely developed a jazz um, subgenre called bebop. This is where it comes in, where they start People start certain elements start claiming jazz as their own. Um, this style of music involved lighting, um, lightning fast, um, lightning fast playing, prolific soloing over chord changes and routine um, syn- syn- syncopation. Right, 
Musicians, I don't know why I get tongue tied when I'm telling you this stuff. Let me um bring myself back on the screen really big, real quick while I'm talking. Um, so syncopation. Music musicians like um Ornette Coleman and Modern Jazz Quartet um and the Modern Jazz Quartet challenged the harmonic rules of traditional jazz. Coleman, in particular, is credited with creating a genre called free jazz, largely um, disposed of a song from the guy, um, the guide's most jazz um, of most jazz standards. So yeah, it was getting popping. Now, now that I read that little bit to you real quick, let me give you some some intel about what was really going on. So we talked about we talked about Dizzy Gillespie, we talked about Charlie Parker, we talked about Bud Powell, Art Blakely, and artists of that nature. But there are other artists that we should talk about that were put in that that era. Because they'll say it was blues. That's how we got rhythm and blues a little bit, too. But it's artists like Billie Holiday um, and, and, and artists of that nature that were also, although jazz was playing, they were singing as the band was playing. Um, they joined these jazz bands. But the problem was, it's the 1940s and 50s. Well, let's say it was the 1930, 20s, 30s, 50s, um, 40s and 50s. America was not that kind to, again, people of, of color. Um, they weren't that kind. So it was a lot of, again, remember, they're saying that jazz was sinful. It was the secular, secular music of that era, of that day, of that time. So at that time, like, they like, you know, what we're going to do is we're going to round up all of these people and if they're not playing by our rules, because remember I told you also that um, around the 1920, 1927, Duke Ellington had just started his residency at the Cotton Club. New York was all the rage in Harlem specifically. Harlem, this would be where we would consider it the Harlem Renaissance, so to speak. You know what I mean? Like I always, I'm sorry to cut myself off, but I always... Because I again I love history so much. And I think that played a part of me loving history too, the Harlem Renaissance. I always wondered what it was like to be, you know, I know it was hard for our people, definitely hard for our people, but what I love about the Renaissance is that for our people, you know, going to the clubs and dancing and listening to the bands play and all of that good stuff. It was a great time to let those things that was happening to us, you know, the lynchings, the um, harassment, the torment that we were going to. That was a great time for us to go and unwind, especially if you worked a little bullcrap job. And, you know, the money was not good back in 1920, in the 1920s and the 30s and barely even the 30s and um, the 40s and the 50s. Money was not like... It's not good now, but it definitely was not good during those times either. So you take your little change, your little dollar, your little do a dollar was a lot back then. You take your little dollar and you go out, you get fly, you take your little dollar, you go out, get what you're going to get, your little, um, you know, your little, 
what, what were they drinking at that time? I'm trying to think what they were drinking. But whatever they was drinking at that time, because you also got to remember, through these times, we were going through other things like prohibition. So we had bootleggers that was out here, you know, mixing it up like, I got you. Be careful. We got to go to the speakeasy, things of that nature. But they go out, they have a good time. They dance into the, to the music that's playing, that's jumping. Everything, you know, is popping. Man, it was going down. So I always, in my mind, specifically, though, with the Harlem Renaissance, always wonder and dream sometimes about what that era was like. I totally, totally am entrenched in that. You know, you had your, your like I said, Billie Holiday was around. You had your Langston Hughes, your Zarnell Hurston's, people like of that nature. And I know it was jumping and what I love about African-American people specifically is how, even though we were going through hardships, they always found a way to make it a good time. And I love that about our people. Um, But there was a lot going on. And then the wars. So I told you, um, the, I, it was really World War II. Around this time, things is going on overseas. People are being shipped off to fight the wars. People are still here. They're going through stuff, too. And it just was a really, really hard time for everybody. So I want to get into this piece really quickly before I move to the, the 60s, because it's very vital and important, um, very important to what I'm talking about this evening. But in my mind, it was jumping. So I want to read this piece really quick, and I'm going to turn this back on so we can... Y'all not going to be able to read it with me, but this is going to be playing while I do it. So um, from 1917 to 1930, white Americans um, were forced to realize that the new form of music was jazz rising on the radio waves and appearing in clubs worldwide. I told y'all that. I told y'all. Y'all got to listen to the girl. She knows some things. She knows some things. Um, so where was I? At that, at the same time, um, articles analyzing, judging, and appraising, and condemning jazz flooded into publications. Titles such as "Unspeakable Jazz Must Go." Now, we also got to take into account too. Um, at around these times, we still had J. Edgar Hoover running the FBI. Um, and with that being said, then you had, um, I think his name was Harry Anslinger. He was one of the top men as well. So his job was to go after these type of people because it gave us a freedom and it gave us a, um, it gave us a, an awakening of how great we wa we were as a people. And they didn't like that. Um, that's why Strange Fruit was very, very much illegal for Billie Holiday to sing. Every time she sung that song, they gave that girl problems because they did not want her to sing it because they felt like it was going to incite people of color because of the words in the song, which talked about, you know, lynching and the horrific things that were going on um, during that time with our people. So they didn't want her singing that song at all. They gave her the blues. But anyway, let's get back. I digress. Let's get back to what we were talking about. So um, students in arms against jazz. Um, why jazz sends us back to the jungle? Let's get these titles. Um, 
and jazz the the jazz problem. Uh these are the titles of the article appeared in mainstream publications and revealed the political and racial endeavors of hostile white critics by asserting in 1925 that jazz is um a is a release of all suppressed emotions at once. Wow. Um, J.A. Roger created a description that whites would extend on in order to label jazz in Harlem culture as a primitive and evil. I told y'all, they some for some strange reason for them, jazz was just a horrible, horrible thing when really it was just a way for us to unwind and have a good time, but whatever, we're going to keep it going. Um, so where was I? Oh, sorry. If y'all hear the geese, they flying, they flying. So jazz served in several ways as a, um, precursor to the fifties bebop and rock and roll in the eighties, pop in the nineties and rap of today, even though I do not feel like, well, I do sometimes feel like rap correlates with jazz, but whatever. Um, principles, um, principle among them is the jazz critics, like critics of these later music forms, because they are a lot, were often diabolical in their attacks on the music. Motive by po um, political and racial concerns, many jazz critics during the Harlem Renaissance and racial concerns. Um, I mean, the Harlem Renaissance publicized their dislike for jazz music in order to express their dislike for African-Americans. Because that's what it boiled down to. It wasn't about the music because a lot of them like today's music now, like rap music now, like any music that we created. It was always a thing to go against people of color. Um, and striving to analyze and to understand the concepts of jazz music, white critics often hid behind black stereotypes in order to explain the increased fascination the world had with jazz. Some, in utter contempt, wrote that jazz plagiarized and then um, mutilated the works of classical white composers. Still other critics mainly uh, maintained that jazz was dangerous, unhealthy, and or even worse, a form of Bayou voodoo. In an, in an attempt to understand jazz, many um, publications resorted to asking professionals why Europeans like jazz, since jazz was acclaimed in Europe as a form of musical liberation. Music, uh, I'm sorry, magazines turned to um, turn to composers, doctors, educators, and even black um, populace to explain jazz. Stunning, um, stunningly, what remains consistent in the report on jazz is not the ultimate dislike of the music, but the political and social dislike of the black population and some the articles of um the and uh, some the articles of jazz that appeared <clears throat> in mainstream magazine magazines between 1917 and 1930 revealed that the radical prejudice that white jazz critics had against african-americans as magazines began 
to recognize jazz between 1917 and 1920, um, 20, the 1920s, critics' principal aim appeared um, innocently enough to ask um, 19, mm, uh, um, to asking what exactly jazz was. Yet, delving deeper into the language of the early articles, one, um, one soon discovers that the explanation of jazz are also signs of aggression by white critics against the recent um, uprising of black people. So it was a lot going on at that time. Like I told y'all, I wanted to throw that in there. So like I said, jazz to a lot of um, people of non-color was an issue. They did not like the idea of jazz because they felt like it was something that would uplift people of color. And y'all know how I went back. Y'all heard the stories and y'all heard the t- um, details and all of that good stuff. They didn't want black people to be uplifted. They still wanted us to be in like, you know, the Jim Crow era. And they still wanted us to be, you know, suppressed and not have knowledge of self, let alone having a good fucking time. Sorry, I'm cussing, but it is what it is. All right. They didn't want us to have a good time. So then eventually um, jazz... It took hold. Like people was like, you know what? I don't even care who. If it's good music, it's good music. And I think essentially we're like that. Well, some of us are like that today. If it's good music, it's good music. And it doesn't matter if a black person made it. It doesn't matter if a white person made it. If it's good music, it's good freaking music. We would think that, but you know, people are crazy these days. So we're gonna move forward past the 1920s and the 30s and the 40s and the 50s and we're going to go into the 60s because this would be the moment of clarity for jazz this would be the beginning of what we know as today's modern jazz and things of that nature again i'm a huge i love music i love classical music i love r&b i love hip-hop and rap and i love jazz music so for me this is just like This is the best thing ever. Um, So in the 1960s, post-bebop and or post-bop slowed down the tempo and added um, harmonic um, sophistication. Musicians like um, Theoli, I can't even, (laughs) Theoli, why I can't get it out. The the only is monk. I'm not saying it right because I'm tongue tied right now. I'm saying a lot. Um, Charles Mingus and Miles Davis, my boy, um, cut their teeth in bebop, but became better known as the post bop compos- um, compositions. Davis developed a genre called cool jazz, which would partially be, I guess, what we would call. Why well, I couldn't say the, <laughs> I still can't say it. I'm tongue-tied. Um, but Davis developed a genre called cool jazz, which emphasized slower tempos, more minimal textures, and um, modal playing. So listen, there. before I finish the rest of this, let me say this. There is a, a story about Miles Davis um, when he was with um, Cicely Tyson, right? Cicely was invited to the White House at the time he was her husband. And they say that uh, um, one of the politicians' wives, of course, she was of Caucasian descent. She asked him, she was asking him a whole bunch of questions. And we talk about Miles Davis. If you know anything about Miles Davis, he was like, 
like, why are you asking me all these questions, chick? Like, really? So one of the questions she asked him, like, well, what have you done that's so great with this jazz music um, that has afforded you the opportunity? And I'm saying it, I'm not saying it the way she, I'm just paraphrasing, but afforded you the opportunity to be at the White House. Never mind, he was not invited. His wife was invited and she wanted him to come because that was her husband. Of course, I'm going to the White House. My husband going to the White House with me too. We rolling together, homie, even though they had the craziest relationship ever. But the one thing that he said to her to as his rebuttal was this. I revolutionized, I, re, I revolutionized jazz. Like I changed, I changed how jazz, jazz is looked at. Like, hello, I modernized jazz. I changed the way it went down, and I that shut her up, boo. Shut her all the way up because it's like, what you ask me all these questions for, check for what? So anyway, I just wanted to throw that in real quick. Um, I didn't like I said, I'm not quoting them. I'm, you know, I'm quoting them, you know, verbatim. Like, I'm not quoting them verbatim. I'm paraphrasing some of the things that was said, but it is a story. You can go look it up yourself. Um, that story is very true. How dare you ask Miles Davis why he there and how he get there, girl? Girl. But anyway, I digress. We're going to keep it moving. Um, so, virtuoso saxophonist John Coltrane and Sonny um, Rollins were equally skilled in um, bebop, cool jazz, and even most um, tonal and provisions like Coltrane's Ascension album. That was a good album. Meanwhile, musicians like Herbie Hancock and um, Joe Zawinell, and I never heard of him, but I'm going to check him out, merged jazz with funk and rock to create a new genre known as fusion. Others like Pat Metheny and Bill Frisell um, found inspiration in folk music and added their genre to their jazz performances. Man, I'm still thinking about the fact that this chick asked him what was he doing at the White House. I, I don't know why I thought about that, but let's get into it. So what does jazz music sound like? Um, distinctive rhythms, harmonic um, sophistication, improvision, they're all a part of this whole thing. Now, distinctive um, rhythms, traditional jazz rhythms are known um, for their swinging eighth notes, where the first note and the eighth note pair gets um, added emphasis and their second note in the high and in the lighter as it swings towards the next note. Meanwhile, Latin jazz, because it's different different subgenres of jazz, Latin jazz, which is built on music of the Caribbean, does not swing, but it does involve syncopated rhythm often um often pulled from Afro-Cuban traditions. I do love me some Latin Latin jazz. I do, I do, I do. I, I ain't gonna lie, I got a weakness for it. So um, harmonic um, sophistication. Jazz music rarely uses three notes, um, three note threads and defines, um, that define pop. Country and folk music, nearly all, um, pop, 
country and folk music. Nearly all jazz chords feature the seventh chord tone and mainly include tension with ninth. Okay, I'm sorry, my phone is going on. Ninth, eleventh, and thirteenth. Um, improvision. Perhaps more than anything, the spirit of improvision unites nearly all forms of jazz music. All members of a jazz band, from members of lead instruments to the rhythm rhythm section to lead vocalists, may call upon improvision over a jazz tune. Um Man, jazz is something else, but instruments usually used within jazz, drums, bass, keyboards, guitars, trumpets, trombones, saxophones, and lead vocals. Jazz is a great, great form of music. And if you're not into it, I, I understand it's not for everybody, but you are missing out on something spectacular. Um, if you are into it, then you know what I'm talking about. It's times where I could just zone out and get in my uh, get in my whole bag, turn on some jazz. Like I said, my my pops, his record collection. He's probably why I like vinyl records today. His record collection is amazing, and there's a mixture of things in there. But jazz is definitely one of those things in there. I um, am very proud of the heritage, our heritage. Um, and being able to create, that's why I said, I'm going to get into R&B and I'm going to get into rock and I'm going to get into all of that. But us being able to create something um, where they didn't want us to have anything, that is a divine, divine, beautiful thing. Um, so, if, like I said, if you don't like jazz music, I get it. It's not for everybody. Everybody doesn't like classical music either. I love classical music. So, um but you have to be, I guess, a music lover to be able to jump for genres. I happen to be a music lover, so I'm able to jump from this genre to this genre, to this genre, and then back to this genre, and then over here, and then over there. I can jump just about anywhere when it comes to music because I love it so much. Um, I don't always need words. I just need the sound. You feel me? Um, it's crazy to me how they and their minds... Um, and this is not going to be a long podcast, but it's crazy to me that they and their minds um, really felt like it was a sinful music. Maybe was it the horns? I don't know. Y'all let me know what y'all what what y'all feel like made them feel like jazz was such a um, secular kind of music. Why was it so sinful? Because. There was, when it started, it wasn't really about the lyrics or music, I mean, you know, vocals at first. It was more so the music. Do you feel like the music was something that made them, like, feel something in their soul? I mean, they said it, but it made them feel something in their soul. Did it make them feel sensual at times? I, it couldn't have made them feel violent. I, I, I never had a violent thought when I listened to jazz music, so it couldn't have made them feel violent. What do you think it was? And y'all make sure y'all reach out to me, and I'm going to give you the information in a minute. But what do you think it was that made them feel like jazz was so sinful? I, I'm interested to know. I really am. Like, what was it? Like, what exactly, why did y'all feel that way? I don't know. I mean, we can't ask them because the people who said that, J. Edgar Hoover, um, Harry, um, 
Henslinger or whatever his name was. I said it right earlier, but I can't say it. I told y'all I get tongue-tied. And Slinger. What was it? I, it just had to be about race because it couldn't have been the actual music. And then the fact that it transitioned over to being a great thing and people of all races, Europeans, everybody loved it. So it could not have been, it could not have been that it made you feel some kind of way. I think that they really found, looked at it and was like, this is something that black people love or that the blacks love and we don't want them to have anything. So we gonna wage war against it. Billy Holiday went to prison behind it and it was they they said it was behind her drug use but we all know it was not behind her drug use it was behind her being one of those queens of the era you feel me of the genre and um specifically that one song strange fruit gave her a whole bunch of problems cuz anytime she sung that song they was locking her ass up and saying, oh, she got drugs on it. It's a couple of times that's noted in history where they they tried to set her up just because they was mad because she just, she was doing her own thing and they didn't like, you know, what she was doing within the jazz cultural, culture. Um, and there's a lot of other people who have stories about things that happened to them. Um, but... It's a sad, unfortunate thing that it, you know, we had to go through all of it. But we went through those ways with all the music that we created. I'm going to get to the rock. I swear I'm getting to the rock and roll. But it's a lot of things that we as a people, people of color, um, went through trying to break through the barriers so that we were able to have the music that we love and enjoy ourselves and have a good time. And it's most unfortunate. Um, so that's that. So, I hope that you enjoyed this little short, short uh, podcast about the history of jazz music. Uh, and I enjoy, you know, talking about it. It's something that I'm very passionate about, and I thought we should talk about it. Um, and it kind of ties into the Black history, although we are in March. I did not, because of things that were going on, I did not have the opportunity to drop another hood history, but... Today is the day, and so I'm going to keep keep the history going, baby, and we're going to keep swinging, and we're going to keep doing what we do. I'm going to learn how to do the Charleston. I think I, I already know, because, you know, back in the day, I used to be able to dance. I'm not so much now that I'm older, but, uh, yeah, I think I'm going I'm to I'm learn how to swing dance. I'm going to learn how to do all of that stuff, just so I could just say, I know how to do it. I know. I know how to do it. But, um... Again, I hope you enjoyed this um, episode of Hood History. Um, tune in next weekend. We will have next Saturday. We will have another episode ready and ready to go. And we're going to be talking about some things. I don't know if I should do it live or if I should pre-record it. Y'all let me know which one y'all prefer to um, when it comes to Hood History. Because, um, I don't know, I think it's, well, some Saturdays I won't be able to because of my job. But if I can, I will do it live. If I can't, I'll pre-record it. So that's how we'll do that. But there's a few things that I have to say before I get out of here, because I don't care if this hood history or ambitiously the podcast, we're going to say these things. If you have a topic that you would like for me to discuss, or if you want to come on the show and discuss something in history, I would love it if you would. So if you 
do by chance want to come and have a conversation about some things, hit us up ambitiously the podcast at gmail.com. Again, the email address is ambitious um ambitiously the podcast at gmail.com. I don't know. I get oh, what is wrong with me? I get tongue tied. Y'all don't know. Um <laughs> You can always join the conversation. I didn't say this at the beginning of this episode because I really don't want to focus on the phone line, but it's always open. It's always available. Any podcast that I do, the number is 443-850-4828. Again, the number is 443-850-4828. You can call in, you can text, you can drop a comment. You can ask me to drop the link so you can come on and discuss what we're talking about on Hood History or ambitiously the podcast um remember to like share subscribe hood history does have its own youtube channel i'm just working on setting it up right now and like i said a lot of things have been transpiring so i haven't had a chance to get around to finishing that up but i will be finishing that up anything concerning any podcast that i do though will be um on ambitiouslyentertainment.com www.ambitiouslyentertainment.com ambitiouslyentertainment.com it will be there and if you would like to support the show you can always drop a donation dollar sign capital l-u-r-l-u-c-i-d-i-t-y again dollar sign capital l-u-r-l-u-c-i-d-i-t-y lore lucidity lore you know to bring them in lucid clearly Lord lucidity that's what it is um and this podcast is available on all streaming platforms so if you missed a part of it or you want to go check out our other shows that we've done before you can always go type in hood history the podcast it is its own podcast now although it's still underneath the ambitiously entertainment umbrella it's its own podcast now um i hope you enjoyed this this podcast um and there will be many, many more. And I will start showing love for this particular podcast eventually. Not yet because it's brand new. And, you know, there are things that I want to give people time to, like, you know, get used to what we got going on and all that good stuff. So, um, but eventually I will start showing love as far as this podcast is concerned as well. And with that being said, y'all, I'm going to be out of here. I got to go. It's Saturday. I just wanted to come through and drop a little knowledge about the jazz evolution and how we got to modern jazz and how we got to where we are with music in general, because that is a start. That's a part of it. That's a part of the start. We know it goes further back than jazz, but I just wanted to start with jazz music just because I was listening to jazz the other day and I felt like we should touch upon jazz music. Um, but with that being said, I love... Oh, mm-mm, before I say all of that, remember, mind your business. If you would like to mind other people's business, tune into Ambitiously, the podcast on Media Mondays, because I dish. I, t- I gives the gab, baby. I'm all about the gab beat then. Um, and sometimes on Wet and Wired Wednesdays as well. And we got something coming up this Wet and Wired Wednesday, so make sure you tune into Ambitiously, the podcast then. And Fire Friday, we will be dropping some new music. So tune in to Ambitiously, the podcast on Fire Friday. Friday as well to hear the new music we are dropping. It's some heat though. I actually like the song. Um, and we might be doing some interviews coming out really, really soon. Some of our people's out in Boston. So with that being said, I gotta get out of here. Um, but mind your business. 
Don't be out here minding up people's business. The safe way to live your life is to mind your business. Love your babies, hug your babies, encourage your babies. Tell them they are the greatest of all time. And last but not least, stay in your freaking lane. Stay in your lane. Let me tell you why you should stay in your lane because you don't want this. She's a beast. She is a serious beast. And I try not to bring her out of me. I'm trying to be her. She's so sweet and cute and cuddly and stuff. You don't want the other one. You want her, or at least her. Because, baby, I'm happiest when I'm purring. But with that being said, I got to stay in your lane. Because what happens when you jump into other people's lanes, a collision happens and nobody wants that. Who wants that? Nobody. Um, with that being said, I got to get out of here. I love you guys. Make sure you tune in this week for Ambitiously, the podcast. Tune in next Saturday, same time, same place, 6 p.m. for Hood History. I'm out of here. Bye.